I was mixing with Oxford, Oxford Cambridge graduates, you know, sort of gods of chemistry, if you like. Um, and <laughs> wow. he, he was I, sort of wet behind the ears, 16 year old, and but uh, fascinated by it. I had lots of questions and I was lucky enough to work with a team led by John Nicholson, who was the sort of one of the founders and the discoverers of ibuprofen. So my starting work in life was very different. I, I realised I was very lucky because you walked into that building, it was all wood, oak, glass, fume cupboards, uh, lead benches. It was really like stepping back in time, you know. And, you know, I, I, I was there for four years and it was just, every day was just different and fun. And, you know, I got to play chemistry every day. And <laughs> I remember probably first few months, I, I stood with uh, John Nicholson and I said to him, well, this is anti-inflammatory, I'll be proposed anti-inflammatory, uh, what, what's, what's inflammation? And because I think I was so young, he kind of looked at me and very super guy, really super gentle guy. And um, he said, well, he just pulled the sash down and, and wrote on the, on, on the glass, uh, this cascade down from arachidonic acid to prostaglandins, COX-1 and 2. Wow. And wow. I wish I could have photographed yeah. that yes. sign stuff because, you know, it's no longer around, but these are sort of precious moments. And he said, well, ibuprofen blocks here. And so I thought, well, that's amazing. Uh, but I think in the back of my mind, I thought, well, but why, why, why are we blocking here? And actually, what are, what are the elements around this cascade that sort of feed into it? So I was already at 16 thinking about holistic approaches, whereas I think I began to discover that the pharmaceutical approach for so long had been about compartmentalization. Hello, and welcome to the Natural Healthcare Network podcast. My name is Deb McLeod, and I really appreciate your sitting in and listening in. Today, I am delighted to say that I have Kevin Levers joining me. He is the managing director and founder of The Naked Pharmacy, and he is here to talk with us about his story. And I am so pleased that sports medicine physio and nutritional therapist Claire Sinton was my co-host on the show today. I hope you enjoy listening to Kevin's story as much as we did. So, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It is wonderful to have you here with us. Pleasure. And Claire is fortunately joining me. So we can have a conversation with you about The Naked Pharmacy, which is your business, and talk a little bit about your history and what got you here, because you've got an interesting background. We all have a story, and I think your story is one of those that's really great to share. And I also think it'd be wonderful for us to hear a little bit about how and why you decided to, I know you'll get into this anyway, because it's part of the story, but the products that you've chosen and plans that you have going forward and how we might be able to support you with that. And then amongst all of the questions that Claire will have as well, she'll jump in and out. But is that okay with you? Absolutely. Go wherever it, wherever it needs to go. Yeah. Okay. That's great. All right. Well, would you like to start, give us a little bit of background and then we can go from there? Yeah, so uh, my working life started all of 35 years ago, maybe a little bit less, uh, showing my age now. But, um, so I, I, had a, I, I went to an inner city school in Nottingham uh, and had a pretty tough time, I think, uh, as a person that really wanted to work. I think some of the comprehensive school 
systems in those days and it, it, you know in certain parts of the UK I think uh, it's quite challenging if you really want to work and so I left school at 16 I, I, I had enough um, and ironically I, I, I knew I wanted to get into science I knew I wanted to get into research and so at the time Boots uh, had a pharmaceutical division it doesn't now um, and that division uh, discovered many many drugs but ibuprofen is probably the the one that it discovered, uh, flawed by profen was in a sort of a spin-off to that. Um, and I joined, I was the only ever 16-year-old to join the research team at Boots. Gosh. And, uh, you know, pretty pretty wet behind the ears in terms of, I mean, it, I was mixing with Oxford, Oxford Cambridge graduates, you know, sort of gods of chemistry, if you like. Um, and <laughs> wow. it, it was I, a sort of wet behind the ears 16-year-old, and but uh, fascinated by it. I had lots of questions and I was lucky enough to work with a team led by John Nicholson, who was the sort of one of the founders and the discoverers of ibuprofen. So my starting work in life was very different. I, I realised I was very lucky because you walked into that building, it was all wood, oak, glass, fume cupboards, uh, lead benches. It was really like stepping back in time, you know, and, you know, I, I, I was there for four years and it was just every day was just different and fun. And, you know, I got to play chemistry every day. And <laughs> I remember probably the first few months I, I, I stood with uh, John Nicholson and I said to him, well, this is anti-inflammatory. I'll be perfect anti-inflammatory. Uh, what, what's, what's inflammation? And because I think I was so young, he kind of looked at me and very super guy, really super gentle guy. And um, he said, well, we just pulled the sash down and, and wrote on the, on, on the glass, uh, this cascade down from arachidonic acid to prostaglandins, COX-1 and 2. Wow. And wow. I wish I could have photographed yeah. that yes. and signed it <laughs> and stuff because, you know, he's no longer around, but these are sort of precious moments. And he mm. said, well, ibuprofen blocks here. And so I thought, well, that's amazing. Uh, but I think in the back of my mind, I thought, well, but why, why, why are we blocking here? Hmm. And actually, what are, what are the elements around this cascade that sort of feed into it? So I was already at 16 thinking about holistic approaches, whereas I think I began to discover that the pharmaceutical approach for so long had been about compartmentalization. So we zoom into yeah. a process and we try and enhance or block or influence a, a sort of a microcosm and the other image that I had was one of a waterfall. So this cascade coming down. And so you have these two sluices, uh, you know, cyclooxygenase, lipoxygenase. And so if you're blocking one side, doesn't the water flow into the other side? So suddenly I was starting to understand that actually you might have solved one problem, but created another. So, yeah. so and and I think that sort of process then carried on, carried on, carried on. Um, you know, I worked on many, many different drug development projects. Um, I think uh, some of it was kind of like challenging for me because, you know, I remember one day standing in front of the, the fume cupboard wearing full breathing apparatus, standing in, in front of a phosgene gas cylinder, bubbling it through this reaction vessel and thinking, well, this is a World War II gas toxic gas, <laughs> people, and here I am trying to make a medicine 
by bubbling this gas through this reaction vessel. And I, I thought, well, A, that sort of uh, is a bit of a conflict. And, and B, from an environmental point of view, you know, we, yes, we were scrubbing the gas and all that sort of stuff. But obviously, that the, the liquid that we used to scrub the gas had to go to a waste disposal, specialist waste disposal. Yeah. And mm. I was thinking, well, actually, isn't that, you know, anyway, so there a lot of conflicts there. I think I learned a huge amount. There's a lot of conflicts there. I learned a lot about, you know, drug discovery because, you know, we, we would move around, we would go into biology, we would go into chemistry. Um, so you sort of understood the process. And, but I, I knew that I wasn't destined to become a chemist. Uh, yeah. So I, I left to do my pharmacy degree uh, after that. So that was uh, another three years. And instead of, it widened my experience, but instead of uh, resolving some of the inner conflicts, it created more. So um, <laughs> it was just very challenging. I, uh, I felt that, you know, even coming out into hospital retail pharmacy, I could see the benefits. So if you're in hospital pharmacy, you know, you've got meningitis, you've got appendicitis, you need a, you know, you need probably possibly need an operation, you need antibiotics, muscle relaxant, all that sort of stuff. So from a acute illness point of view, I could see the benefits of pharmaceuticals. But when moving out into general practice, you then, you know, as a, in, a, in a normal retail pharmacy, you see them coming back for more and more prescriptions. Mm. So, yeah. so that whole kind of four-year process <laughs> was kind of enlightening because I saw, obviously, I learned about other drugs uh, and I, I could see how the compartmentalised approach was being applied to each of those. Yeah. But I also saw patients coming back for more and more medication. Yeah. So they started with, uh, you know, a painkiller, that caused them a gastric ulcer, a hyperacidity. So they suddenly became on, uh, you know, a uh, an antacid at the time. It was probably Zantac or Cimetidine, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and now it's PPI with the whole raft of issues that PPIs can can cause a knock-on effect. So you could see that, and and, and often as not, they there would be malabsorption problems. So they, they get into this hamster wheel yeah. of first of all, I came in with a problem. And this mm. is a solution, but then it rolls into the next and next and next and next. Mm. So yeah. that kind of made me feel as if I was part of the problem, not the solution. Hmm. Um, so it's a, it was a mixed bag. You know, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind from an acute point of view, pharmaceuticals have saved millions of lives. No, yeah. no doubt about it. And are extremely important. And you know, if I go into a hospital for a, with an appendicitis, I'm not going to want an aromatherapist. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm not yeah. probably going to ask for, yeah, yeah. for herbal medicine probably when yeah. I get out. But, you know, I want an antibiotic and I want an anaesthetic. I'd rather not know something was cutting me open, whatever. So it's, it's that kind of process and rationale. And I think um, and at that point I paused. So Sorry, this is a very long No, it's uh, good. It's, a, it's perfect. Because Interesting. It yeah. yeah. If you've got any questions, then because I'll, I'll move on to the next phase. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think this this is a great build up, and it's really fascinating to hear hear your story. And actually, it makes it's really interesting. Claire's not, you know, sh- nodding her head a lot because it's nodding very away. much in sync with with her and her own mindset and the way she's thinking yeah. about this. So no, keep going. It's great. It's great, and, and it's really interesting how you're you're kind of. Um, almost painting this picture of a spectrum of, you know, critical illness where the other alternative is death. 
and then you've got the other end of the spectrum of wellness and optimal health and um you know we all fall somewhere on that spectrum and we we vary along it at, at various points in life and and actually as you say if you're at the point of death then you kind of want anything that they'll throw at you to bring you back but actually you don't want to continue on that route and then cover up and cover up and and try and tweak and and um and react to the side effects of the previous drug that you've been given when actually ultimately you know surely we just none of us want to be on anything and um definitely as a physio you get people saying oh yeah but i don't i don't like to take pills i'm not a pill taker (laughs) but but everybody says that right yeah i think this thing about empowered healthcare is is we're, we're not here i think the old-fashioned healthcare was very much you take this and we trust exactly what you say and 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 then no matter whether it causes me side effects or not um, yeah. i'm just gonna i'm gonna stick to this path yeah. even though perhaps it's not not suiting me and you know we we see we still see in, in the naked pharmacy you know we get a lot of queries about can i take this with this um having problems whatever we try to integrate that so we can send them back to the gp but we can tell them that they can use their herbals or naturals alongside their conventionals. Mostly, you can do that. There's one or two exceptions. And, and, it, and this thing about the best of both worlds, you, you know, it's never, I, I see all this division, you know, kind of like mm. the natural side say, oh, those horrible people on the conventional yep. side, those, those big pharma giants, whatever. Actually, most of the people I've met in big pharma are very dedicated very intelligent focused people mm-hmm. and equally you know on the pharma side I've heard the and I've had it directed towards me when <laughs> I switched uh, you know the whatever you want to call them the, the tree huggers or you know uh, not scientific uh, which is yeah. not true uh, you went to uh, the dark side Kevin uh, yeah you've gone to the dark side <laughs> and and actually that, that equally is not not correct so um, we you know this thing about holistic approach I think, and, and empowering the person with the problem to take charge of their own health. Give them all the tools and teach them how to use their knowledge, intellect, and instinct to self-select. I mean, yeah. uh, there's loads of stories I, I can come up with that will give examples in nature of how animals do this. You know, they, they self-pick plants to, to, to heal problems they have, and they do it automatically. And I think we have that skill but we've just lost, we haven't practiced it for a long time. So I came out of three years at Bath University, qualified as a pharmacist, still lots of conflict, I think, inner conflict in many different ways, and did my year in hospital pharmacy, probably a year and a half in retail pharmacy, and I thought, well, you know, is that it, you know? And um, so I had a pause, I went, I went, went off, traveling around the, the globe. Uh, I ended up uh, on the west coast of Australia, run out of money, hair down to my shoulder, <laughs> uh, which is hard to imagine now. Yeah, it is. It um, is. <laughs> um, you know, bought myself a tie, smart myself up, got a haircut and, and went, and I found a pharmaceutical company, uh, which was John Pharmacy at the time, uh, that manufactured morphine, a lot of injectables, basically. And so managed to get 700 people, what a reasonable size, 
brand new factory. Um, and so I was taken on as a quality control, quality assurance pharmacist for them. Uh, was there and just had a brilliant time. It was just amazing because I, I loved the manufacturing side of it. I loved the scale up. I loved the fact that you, know, you could walk into this sterile room and then this spaceship swimming pool full of morphine or heroin. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and you know, we tested it in the lab. It was, you know, it was all very scientific, all brand new kit. And yeah, I kind of, I, I loved it. And I thought, well, I'm going to go back into industry. So I came back from Australia thinking I'm going to get back into pharmaceutical industry and the manufacturing side. And then uh, a job came up at, in manufacturing at Willida. So right. that was a switch. That was a switch for and me. When was that? Uh, so that would have been around 94, 95. Gosh. Okay. Uh, yeah, so quite a long time ago. Yeah. And I thought, I'm going to be here two years and I'm going to, and then I'm going to fly <laughs> off, to get my experience, tick that box and, and fly off uh, back to Big Pharma. Um, and that would be my career path. But, I, you know, 11 years later, I was still there as chief pharmacist, Gosh. Uh, uh, you know, covering thousands upon thousands of natural medicines. We did cosmetics as well. Yeah. Uh, learned all about the manufacturing, the sourcing. We had a, I don't know how many acres. We had a big farm. It's still there on site in, in, in Derbyshire. Wow. Um, you know, there's a lot about growing, the effects of seasons on active levels, because obviously we still tested they, these were licensed this is a fully licensed factory so it had a medicine yeah. license so actually that's what i love the fact that it integrated itself with convention in the conventional sense so mm. instead of sitting out on the fringe it was this uh, and so that the inspectors would come in every two years um we had a registered pharmacy on site and um they would be slightly curious i think it's the way i describe it so uh, and I, I loved that. It was a really organic. Um, so kind of experience. linking up the kind of yes. um, biodiverse gardening side of things with yeah. the science. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, amazing. So I was there eleven years. I was chief pharmacist, covered a lot of uh, European stuff, and then <laughs> I think this is two thousand and four. I had a bit of a rush of entrepreneurial blood to my head. Um, and, uh, decided that um, I was doing far too. I had about fifty or fifty staff, a mixture of pharmacists and you know qualified, unqualified. I covered manufacturing, pharmacy, legislation, formulation. You know, I mean, it was a relatively small unit, 85, 90 people, and um, part of a much bigger organisation. I mean, you know, Willida Germany's got seven hundred, eight hundred staff, and I just felt as if I was moving into more admin stuff you know administrating people people management paperwork long day day long meetings it's like oh, goodness so i didn't feel as if i was innovating I, I thought i'd lost my kind of innovating edge and decided to leave in 2004 and set up lotus health which is a, a research and development consultancy uh, which it's high we probably had six pharmacists working under me uh, formulation we used to build manufacturing sites all over the world uh, we do regulations uh, licensing formulation some of the formulas are you know we formulated are on the market you know and have grown and grown and grown you know some interesting stuff with uh, broccoli substrates and acne um, so some really 
diverse stuff. And I kind of, I thought I was diverse when I was at Walida, but actually I wasn't. Um, and and probably halfway through that process, I got involved in a, in a project with the William Harvey Research Institute in London, linked up to the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm, uh, using beetroot concentrates to lower blood pressure. And yeah. that really kind of switched something in my brain, which was, hang on a minute, it doesn't have to be a herbal medicine. Mm. What happens yeah. if you concentrate foods in a holistic way? So don't, don't do what the farmer does, which is, you know, I see it all the time now with turmeric, curcumin, that's all they, curcumin extracts. The same, it's a pharmaceutical approach, which, you know, has its, has its merits. But why would you exclude all the other compounds absolutely yeah um, you know i call it the orchestra approach rather yeah. than the the big bass drum so you know the farmer's the big bass drum you want in a kind of certain situations but actually the body's an orchestra it's just this this thing about cascades and waterfalls and stuff like that you're conducting an orchestra and the, the great thing about the body is it can it can self-select from a menu so you know when we extract our turmeric we holistically extract five or six curcuminoids in there and we standardize those to 95%, not just the curcumin. And yeah. uh, if you do that properly and well and naturally, which is possible, sometimes with water, sometimes with uh, alcohol and water, which you evaporate off, sometimes under pressure, sometimes column filtration, there's various techniques you can use, fractionation and what have you. You can do this holistically and... So then I started looking into research for food-based actives. And, and, and so, I, you know, I, I, interesting uh, a thought occurred to me is that, you know, certain foods in high concentration cause disease. So um, I, I can say that from a legal perspective, MHRA doesn't have a problem with that. <laughs> um, so you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. Um, so actually, why, why can't foods cure disease and actually that makes complete sense so if i give you lots of sugar over a consistent period of time and even probably sweeteners mm. i'm gonna gonna start shifting you into type 2 diabetes and possibly even type 1 and equally if i put you on a, a very a fasting diet take out the sugar with a bit of maybe herbal help then it's been shown that people can move out of type 2 back into health so yeah. so this thing about pharmaceuticals or licensed drugs being the only thing that you can quote to treat or cure disease is, is a an issue because of control yeah. actually yeah. if you look at foods that's not the case yeah. and so then I started looking through lots and lots of different research including saffron obviously turmeric is a good example because it's well known but there's all sorts of research out there that shows that if you holistically extract and concentrate you can have a much more powerful effect. And so this is, again, it's just, so the risk-benefit profile is really important. Um, so with pharmaceutical drugs, uh, the risks are, are higher because the side effect profiles are probably worse than food-based approach. But the benefits are also good for selected drugs, not all. And so in a hospital situation when you're very ill, then that risk-benefit profile sort of, you know, you can sort of forgive a lot more um, sins, if you like, in that situation. But when you're out in a more chronic situation, actually the, the risk-benefit profile becomes different, mm -hmm. the assessments yeah. of that. Completely. And I thought, well, actually, if it shows, if the research shows that 
turmeric is a better anti-inflammatory than diclofenac or ibuprofen, uh, you know, sort of come full circle here. Um, yes. <laughs> then uh, if, if you can show that and the, and the side effect profile is better, then why wouldn't you recommend turmeric? Specifically? Yeah. And, and try that first. If it works, great. I mean, there are always high responders and always low responders. You know, my experience with turmeric is probably about 90% respond well. There's probably another 10% that don't react to it at all. Yeah. Um, so then in which case you've got to try a different tack. So I ran Lotus Health for probably 16 years. And again, another rush of entrepreneurial blood to the head. <laughs> um, Two thirds of the way into that process, I was looking at this research and I thought, we need a platform to be able to provide this, this because I could see that a lot of companies were putting, a, I, I've seen well-known companies in this sector put a fraction of, you know, it's like, oh, we've got a holistic turmeric and it's got 60 milligrams or even 40 milligrams of curcuminoid actives in there per capsule. And so if your therapeutic window says that you need at least 480, 500 plus plus, then the rules of science still apply. Just because you're a holistic company doesn't mean to say that you can bypass the rules of science. You've got a therapeutic window and you have to oscillate between the doses yeah. within the therapeutic window. So, so I, you know, I, I was seeing two approaches. I was seeing two approaches, which was I'll take a pharmaceutical approach and just extract out the curcumin and put it high dose. That's fine. You're going to do that and just omit all these other components or I'm going to make it holistic, in which case, because of the cost of those ingredients, and it, and it does boil down to cost in, in a lot of cases, yeah. I'm going to reduce that dose down to a, what I would call a sub-therapeutic dose. And so at first, <laughs> I tried to have a, what I call a B2B business, selling business to business. And there was a lot of companies didn't weren't interested. We had various raw materials and stuff. And so I thought, I have to do it myself. Yeah. I wasn't intending to. I had a blog called The Naked Pharmacist. <laughs> talk about these sort of things. And so I thought, well, actually, I'm not going to run away from this. I'm a pharmacist and I come from a scientific background, but I, I have a strong <laughs> affinity for the benefits of natural approaches. So it was a progression from the Naked Pharmacist to the Naked Pharmacy. And it was first three years were tough. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. I self-funded it. All the money from Lotus paid for it. Wow. I think the pharmaceutical society was a bit confused by it uh, <laughs> because we were the first ever 100% natural pharmacy in, in Europe. Um, yeah. We don't have any prescription drugs here whatsoever. So we have our herbal or food-based. Our own supplements are food-based. We've got pharmacists here, you know, answering queries. Sometimes we can get up to 200 queries a day um, on the phone or email. Oh. Uh, and uh, really diverse questions. And what is really satisfying is when you get the stories. That, yeah. you yeah. know, I started here, I had a problem, yeah. often a quite significant one, and then suddenly, wow, I'm the other side of that. I can't, I can't believe this has worked. Mm -hmm. I just so, tried it on the off chance. I can't believe it worked. Who are you regulated by in terms of... You know, obviously, you're not you're not producing medicines. Like, in inverted commas, so it's it's not about regulation. 
per se it's more of a food-based regulation or it, it is yeah so so we yeah. we sit under we're a registered pharmacy so we're, re we're regulated by the pharmaceutical society and the tphc yeah. so we get inspected like a normal pharmacy does every two or three years um and on top of that we are re regulated from a uh, medicine side by the MHRA, so Medicines okay. Healthcare Regulatory Agency. And on top of that, we also have to comply with, at the moment, UK stroke EU food laws, EFSA. Yeah. Debate about where we're going with all this. Nobody seems to know. Uh, so yeah. we, we stick with EFSA at the moment because that seems to be the only kind of secure base we can attach to. But yeah, it should be the FSA now. But uh, yeah, so we got three. So we, we've really gone for it. Gosh. So is, is there any kind of conflict between the three or do you find that with what you're doing, you kind of sit quite nicely and, and comfortably without pushing anyone's, any one of their boundaries? Um, I, think we, I think we know. I think it took quite a while to find our feet. But now we, we're yeah. quite secure who we are, unique. And I think from a food law point of view we're complying with that from an mhra point of view we're very careful about obviously how, how we make claims and what have you for yeah okay so we tend to stick within the fsa rules for that yeah. um and with the food standards agency we know from a quality point of view we're ticking all the boxes there and we have obviously the the, pharm the pharmacy check here so the pharmacists here will check you know each production running they all get tested every batch you know all have a micro test every batch etc etc yeah. One thing I always ask, and Dev will know that I'm onto this, I work a lot with athletes. And one of the huge things for me is being informed, sport tested, or having some sort of certification that would mean that an athlete would feel comfortable taking mm -hmm. your products. Is there anything that you've done along that route? Is there anything, any plans in the pipeline? If not, can you expand on that um yeah so we had our informs uh, we had our informed sport test for Natureflex. so we did all that um that has to be you either have to pay them quite a, a large membership fee for the year or you have to yes. test the batch now at the moment because we're we're in quite a, a growth spurt it's quite difficult to be managing that alongside all the other stuff and product launches development and stuff yeah so i think we'll get back to it and we will take out the full one particularly for natureflex obviously which is a sporty yes. supplement yeah. but um we test i think two batches of natureflex and they were perfectly uh, fine yeah however i think that that seems like the obvious one to to kind of test but actually many athletes don't obviously they suffer with injuries and things like that but their joints are generally they try and keep on top of that it's actually normally the the travel the high cortisol the thyroid issues that are going on in the background mm -hmm. that there's nowhere that you can turn apart from one company in the UK yeah. um, that's informed sport and actually um, that's something that I come up against quite a lot is trying to find the supplements to support someone you end up with them on about 10 different tablets in one sitting mm. and to get the therapeutic dose and also to make sure that they're getting the right combination because you're having to kind of do it in the same way as pharmaceutical drugs in that 
everything's isolated and then you have to try and make up the perfect blend and concoction to build the building blocks that the body requires in order to have the physiological response that you want so I'm massively interested in what you're doing yeah I, I think the other thing is that um you know formulation is really it's not just about the act, the act, it's about what else is in, in the formulation. So we yes. we had one uh, uh, tablet formulation, which we converted over to the last one over to capsules. And then actually we then made another transition, which was, has been really hard, which was we moved from uh, HPMC, which is kind of a cellulose base, but it's, it's kind of a, a semi-synthetic capsule shell. The great thing about capsule shells is rather than tablets, you don't have a binder, you don't have a flow agent. There might be two or three or four things you have to, which are synthetic, like magsterate, for instance. Yeah. You, you have to add to actually make a tablet stick together. So the great thing about capsules is that you, that emits all that. And we replaced all those kind of excipients with prebiotics. So we have organic baobab powder, organic moringa, so we don't have any synthetic excipients whatsoever. We're 100% natural. And then we switched the HPMC capsule to tapioca. So we were the oh. fir- one of the first companies to adopt across the range tapioca capsules. And that's okay. caused us a few problems because uh, you know, various kind of supply chain issues in Europe or whatever, it's caused us a few headaches. But we, we wanted to do that because I take these supplements myself. My family takes them. And I want people to get, have the best. So, yeah. so uh, you know, if it's a no-brainer between tapioca and, and hydroxypropyl methyl cellulose, people call them cellulose capsules, but they're not. Yeah. They're chemically converted. And we don't, they're, they're, they're probably better than tablets, but in terms of, from my own perspective, if I'm consuming a lot of these every day, then yeah, not particularly instinctively comfortable about it. Yeah. Claire knows a lot about excipients as well. We'll let her tell you why she knows that, but I, I already told you about that anyway. Um, can I can I ask you, Kevin, when you when you decided to start the Naked Pharmacy, did you have in mind, okay, these are some products that I want to start with, or did you have a vision? What was your process with regards to that, we, the we, development? We jumped way too <laughs> early. Yeah, it was kind of like at the time we had a potential investor and – he said, right, go for it. And, and then he pulled out. Oh. Um, and so left me with a, you know, quite a big bill to pay. And I, I had a choice. I have, I have a kind of, I thought, you know, I was scared because of the financial implications of that. We'd done some prep work for a year getting ready, but I knew the website was going to be costly in terms of what we wanted to do. And, you know, each time you produce a batch, it's, tens of thousands of pounds, you know, and I was funding this from my other company. So I wasn't paying myself a salary. I didn't pay myself anything for probably three years, you know, Uh which is, uh, you know, should come with a government health warning, I think. (laughs) 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 Not recommended. Um, And so I I had a choice. I I haven't just, and at that point, I only had two products in mind. One was Bergamot because um, I'd done a lot of work with Bergamot and I'd seen, I was back, 200 published studies, RCTs, double-blinded, placebo-controlled, proper peer-reviewed. Last one was published in the International Journal of Cardiology, for goodness sake. Mm. You know, I, I met with Professor Coates, 
uh, who was the one of the peer reviewers. So, uh, you know, I, I knew the data was solid, solid data. And I had the same intuition with Saffron, mm-hmm. seen the data, seen the RCT data, probably three or four trials up at, at that point. And so I jumped with two, only two products. I mean, it was a bit of a sad website, I have to say. <laughs> you know, we had two products. I was, you know, I mean, I was taking my saffron because I was anxious. Um, <laughs> anxiety. So that was your Burgatone and your Saffron Sun? Yes, yes. Beautiful. So, what made you opt for those in terms of, I mean, you've mentioned um, inflammation, obviously, quite a lot. And um, I just wonder what your drive is in terms of what interests you is there a specific area that you're kind of looking to answer the question of, or is it just the science was really compelling and there happened to be more research in that particular area? I think the science was compelling. That was the number one driver. Yeah. Because, you know, if I'm going out and I'm calling this a pharmacy and it's based on, we say, scientifically proven and I have to kind of stand up and be countered for that because yeah. it's going to get challenged, rightly so. But the th- thing for me, the driving point is, what, where can I make the biggest impact? Where can I improve people's lives? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd had my own struggles with that, you know, anxiety at university, just like thousands, millions of others, uh, <laughs> you know, are having now in particular. And yeah. I thought, wow, you know, wouldn't it be nice if somebody took saffron and a prebiotic mm. and uh, and a B12, B12 at the time, and uh, vitamin D uh, as a combination, uh, and if that could have a an effect that that allowed them to get above their symptoms, to be to feel as if they're back in control. Mm. Yeah, I thought, well, you know, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, why wouldn't yeah. You do that? and um, it was an instinctive thing. It was based on the science and, you know, we just, I just jumped thinking, well, I don't know what the hell I'm doing here, but I'm just going to go for it. And so we, we had the inspector in, we got the registration, got started, you know, paid out a huge sum of money for the, the website and the first two batches, money that I probably didn't have. And, and then I, I waited because, you know, you can see all the data you want, but until you see customers coming back to you and saying, this didn't work or this did work you don't know so yeah. it was probably two or three weeks after the launch and we had products going out i had a practitioner with a customer who was agoraphobic and uh, had been agoraphobic for several years Goodness. and he started taking the safferson and he was cycling to his mother's house every day just like that's unbelievable isn't it that's a massive because he was a therapist, I uh, did hypnotherapy and psychological counselling, NLP work. And he said, it, it, I mean, he did it Tom cheek. He said, look, you're ruining my business. These <laughs> 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 customers are getting better. And, yeah. um, and I, I followed up on that story a while later. And, and this guy's got his own business. Wow. And I think... <laughs> You did that. That's brilliant. I've, I've been taking it for three three years now. And it, you know, mm. it makes a, just a big difference. But yeah. my children as well, just the attention side of it, you know, the kind of the, mm. like my son, very highly in tune brain, 
very rapid processing, whatever, and just trying to take him down a notch or two to be able to focus and stuff. It's amazing to watch the difference. And then we just had story after story coming in and it was like, that's it. Yeah, amazing. So have you got other products that you're aiming to bring to market soon? Is there anything, like what's your next target? GI, I think, because I'm very much aware of malabsorption issues with PPIs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and it, I think when people get on the PPIs it's suddenly very difficult to come off them yeah, yeah. Uh, so digestion and, and malabsorption and hyperacidity I think that's that's the next that's that's really <laughs> exciting we'll watch the space yeah. and in terms of one of the biggies as a nutritional therapist is as soon as you hear someone's on a blood thinner um, whether that be aspirin or whether that be warfarin or or clexane or you know any of the other yeah. Yeah, based blood thinners then it kind of makes you think oh gosh uh, you know I'm going to spend ages on, on a drug, inter- drug nutrient interaction site trying to lick all of these up yeah I, I spent probably 25 years kind of advising people on because we used to do that well either as well and yeah. so I'm very used to looking at drug interactions with, with uh, herbs and foods now. Mm. And I tend to choose in food components that don't interact. Right. Because obviously, you know, you're caveating all the time if you're not careful. Obviously, with turmeric at a high strength, it's a bit of a no-no. You've yeah. got a narrow therapeutic index with these blood thinners. And so... Yeah. Even though it's still a theoretical risk, I think it's probably a, a, too much of a, a risk to take. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to take a different approach to that. But with saffron, for instance, and, and the bergamot, there's no problem in using that alongside uh, blood thinners, no interactions. Obviously, there's the warnings about pregnancy and breastfeeding because uh, yeah. who has data on pregnancy and breastfeeding for these mm-hmm. components? I'm sure they're absolutely fine, but you, know, you don't want to take a risk. So, yeah, so I mean, I tend to be focusing on ingredients that are less problematic. You know, I don't want to be getting into a St. John's Wort type scenario where suddenly you can't take it with anything. You know, you've yeah. So, yeah. so we try and avoid that if possible. But yeah, something like saffron, uh, the uh, olive leaf, or the, um, the bergstone are perfectly fine. Lovely. It's beautiful stuff. Yeah. So, and so you're looking at focusing in on the GI and how you might support people's gastrointestinal health that way and practitioners. What, what else would you, what else are you doing as an organization or what else would you like to talk about or share with us with regards to the naked pharmacy and what you're doing? I think for, for me, the most important thing is our connection with, with our, I don't call them customers, our communities. I think that it's like a tribe and I, we had this big. We had a we had a rebrand uh, last year. Brand new website. Cost us an absolute fortune. It's beautiful. And um, mm. I think really pleased with the results. Um, yeah. We had a big debate with this uh, London-based agency, and they wanted us to take away the the from the Naked Pharmacy. So they wanted to call us Naked Pharmacy. Right. And um, <laughs> so he said, you know, and I said to him, well. Actually, I, I see it. I actually visualise it as a 
old-fashioned wooden pharmacy in in Nottingham. There used to be a kind of reproduction of Jesse Boots' first pharmacy. Mm. And you walked in there, it's all wooden floors, wooden cabinets, glass cabinets, and all these porcelain jars with all these kind of old-fashioned ointments and preps that, uh, you know, and it was like a fascinating mystery, but you, you got a sense that you were going to get something individual, something bespoke, something that recognised you. You'd get time with the pharmacist, you'd get time, you know, to talk. And, it, and it's a sense of belonging. And, and I, even though we're an internet pharmacy, I still have that vision of Jesse Boots' first pharmacy. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, well, actually, if you take the that away... You take away the place, the grounding, the community, the tribe. Mm. Yeah. You're, you're becoming a kind of ethereal philosophy that I would associate with uh, a company that you wouldn't be able to, to connect with. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to ring them up and speak to somebody or get a response to their emails within 24 hours or whatever, or respond to their social media requests and what have you. So that to me was really, really important, the sense of, we are here as a hub to connect people. We don't have necessarily have all the answers. And I think as time goes on, I mean, we're growing the pharmacy team here to four pharmacists soon. And we also want to be a signposter. So actually we direct traffic. You need a physiotherapist, you need a NLP practitioner. or you need a- <laughs> Yeah, because why not? Because we're, we should be working within our strengths and then guiding people to, you know, yeah. sometimes the best thing for stress is a massage. Yep. You yeah. Know, um, because it, it's, it's a sensory thing. If you can dial down, you know, I, I went to a, a Ayurvedic retreat for a month. I think it was a trigger. <laughs> the problem was it was a trigger for, for me leaving Walida. I think I did so much. <laughs> and I thought, well, actually <laughs> it's time to go. And, but they would tell me that, you know, they get all these stressed out executives coming in from, you know, all over the world, Germany, England, whatever. And they would do this oil treatment on the forehead. They said it was, a, it was one of the best ways to drop them down stress-wise, just to kind of get them back into themselves and stuff. And obviously they would, you know, very much the focused Ayurvedic approach to diet. So, I think people should be able to choose from a menu and we can guide them. Mm. So I'd like to see this kind of hub and spoke type approach where we, we're in, we're the hub and then yeah. we send, send people where they need to go. Uh, yeah. I mean, along the way we might advise them some supplements, some herbal medicines. We might, uh, you know, we, we do plenty of stuff about lifestyle here. Mm. You know, I was on the phone to a lady last week and I said, the first thing you need to do is exercise every day. Because she wasn't. I uh, said, so, uh, actually, you know, if you change your diet and exercise, mm. I mean, there's simple things, but people get stuck. We all get stuck. Yeah. So that, that's my vision is that I don't know how many pharmacists we'll end up with here. I mean, they all get trained deep, deep behind me. Uh, Hello. Hi. <laughs> was a hospital pharmacist and, and uh, we were lucky enough to kind of bump into each other through mutual friend and off we went so I, I think um it took a while just to kind of share knowledge and, and and go with it actually pharmacists are great people if they're open-minded then they're great people because it's quite a broad-based training 
mm-hmm. to uh, take this on board. So once they understand the science of it, that's it. Well, I understand now. Mm-hmm. You just need to kind of like tune in. So, you know, we're lucky to have a good good team of pharmacists here. That's great. Uh, yeah. That's great. It's exciting your the way you're wanting to go and your vision that you see. Claire, we're almost over an hour or close to an hour. It goes so quickly. It always does. So Claire, what haven't we asked? What do you want to ask? She's well, actually, there. I was just looking through all my questions and I was thinking, actually, we've done quite nicely at yeah. either you talking about them or, or me yeah. getting in a question. But I guess what you're talking about is, again, trying to help the individual to join up the dots and for themselves because actually at the end of the day only they know how it feels to be in their body Mm -hmm. and and if something um is suggested to them and it doesn't resonate with them then it's probably not right and I often say this as as a physio when someone comes to see me if I'm not the right person for you walk away don't you know don't see me don't continue to see me because we might not gel as a person and it sounds like you're kind of doing that with um with the pharmacists that you have involved but actually Mm. I can totally kind of understand your vision of trying to get other professionals because it doesn't really matter what their underpinning profession is it's more about the knowledge base but the open-mindedness to to take on more knowledge and and try and understand or assist the whole process of of optimal wellness so moving Mm. towards a point that we we don't have all the answers to Mm. but hopefully by coming together we kind of fit in the little pieces of the jigsaw to help each other to to support each other to move forward with wellness Um, have I got that right or no absolutely I think I think we're all part of a kind of bigger picture. It's kind of like the jigsaw puzzle, if you like. And from my own health journey, you know, the challenges I've had over the years and stuff, I I think I've realised that sometimes the simplest things can make a massive difference. And so, and actually you do have it within your power. I mean, I know you have to pay for it and some things aren't on the NHS, but the the NHS is fantastic. But it... um, it's such a big organization. I think change is quite difficult. And I think certainly, you know, like modern research that's coming out, you know, whether you're talking about vitamin D, for instance, how long did that take before we took a crisis before it suddenly got adopted as a, yeah. a big, important yeah. vitamin for the immune system? Yeah. Um, so I think, yes, we trust the NHS. We love it. You know, it's, it's just a wonderful, amazing organization. So and people yeah. within it, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. as a, as an organization, it's, it's huge. So to try and adopt change and integrate that, and I, I don't, I think it needs help as well alongside that. Yeah. So we have yeah. a role to play. And, and yeah. uh, I think in the past, the, the fraternity, the conventional medicine fraternity have perhaps pushed this type of approach away because it's unscientific. It's a bit woo-woo or um, it's not kind of, it doesn't have the impact of hard, hard medicine. (laughs) Um, But we're, we're, we're a subtle body. I mean, we, we, our, you know, we know that we have a magnetic field around our body that extends probably beyond 30 feet, possibly Mm. a lot. And, 
So there's so much we don't know. Mm. And we'd still, if you think about, you know, GI microbiome science, we're still learning about that. And I think I I always say to people, never underestimate the power of food, Mm. both to cause disease and or treat disease. Mm. And I'm not supposed to say that from a MHRA (laughs) point of view. Um, But But why why have we lost that? Because actually, if you, you know, if you ask your your gran or your your great-gran and you say, right, well, what's going to make me feel better? And they'll say, oh, food and exercise, right? They're they're kind of two of the biggies, right? And and yet we're not allowed to say that Mm -hmm. as health professionals. Oh, my gosh. What? So I think, I think, Yes, I mean we've got to we've got to comply with the rules and we go within that. But actually, the truth is the truth, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's right for the when you make statements like that. Only drugs can cure or treat disease. Yeah. Uh, only licensed drug can cure or treat disease. Actually, you're disempowering people from solutions that are right exactly. there in front of their faces. So, absolutely. Uh, two days ago, relation has got cystitis and. Uh, and I, I got to the bottom of they were having two sugars in, in their tea. And I know they drink a lot of tea. I said, well, stop drinking tea and stop putting sugar in your tea or, you know, one or both together. And so it's simple. It's there in front of you, but mm. we don't think. Because yeah. why would foods cause disease? Why would uh, a habit or something yeah. I've got used to that's comforting, whatever, yeah. why, why, if I change that, that, surely that wouldn't have such a big impact. And so I, I see this a lot and we've got a very active microbiome. And so you put dead food in that biome. Um, what's it going to do? You know, you put sugar in that biome, what's it going to do? And we know, you know, 70% of the immune system is gut, gut wall, yeah. uh, gut lining and 70%, probably more, 80% of the serotonin produced in the gut. Mm. So actually I, you know, there's, there's this trend to spray under the tongue at the moment and bypass the liver metabolism. But I, I, don't, I don't like that because I think actually we need to get the supplements working where they're, where they're having most of the influence. Mm. I can I could sort of inf- understand, you know, some of the beetroot actors, for instance, if you're going straight through the buccal cavity, it will go straight to the heart. And so that might have an advantage so there's some you would understand that as the rationale for that, but I think for a lot of supplements, you know, spraying turmeric under the tongue, I don't get it. You know, yeah. most inflammation is in the gut. So why why are you bypassing it? Yeah, that's yeah. a really interesting perspective because you don't hear that very often from yeah. you know from a nutritional mm. therapy point of view. Often you're just trying to get it in any which mm. way you can. And, yeah, but, uh, but you know, you, you, your gut lining is one cell thick. Yeah. So yeah. If you want a connection to the inner body, then then there's no better place. Mm. And, and why would you bypass the liver metabolism? The liver's there to metabolize. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yes, I can see the rationale in some cases, but I think as a, a general rule, I think SL under the tongue, I think it's a bit of a fad as far as I'm concerned. Interesting. I love that. I love that you're stirring that pot up, get it in the gut so it can start having its own party, you know, with all those microbes. And we, yeah. we don't, we, we're only just learning the amazing. Poly- polyphenolics. So uh, that's, that's a, a nice little buzzword. 
in, a, in a 10, 20 years ago, it was antioxidants. Well, mm. the next buzzword is polyphenolics because, uh, yeah, I, I could bore you for another hour about polyphenolics <laughs> and what they do. do. Yeah. <laughs> Well, see, now that's your own fault for saying that because we can, I was gonna say, <laughs> <laughs> we can, we can, we can torture you as much as you allow us to torture yeah. you, Kevin. We love it. <laughs> we well that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that would be fantastic to, to learn more about those things. So mm. I'm just conscious of the time, both your time. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about right now, Kevin? Yeah, I think if there's anything that pops up in people's minds, practically okay. your network, whatever, questions, whatever, then and just ping them through to pharmacist at the naked pharmacy dot com. Okay. And maybe we'll we'll put a list together and we can we can go through the list next time. Because I think okay. you know, you get into a little bit of a bubble. Uh, mm. and and it's interesting when you ask people for questions, you, you get perspectives that you never thought of before. So yeah, I, I, I quite like being challenged um on that respect so <laughs> sounds right. good that sounds good well one of our one of our friends and colleagues works with or several of them work with people who have cancer so that could definitely be an interesting aspect of, of working alongside people who are going through cancer treatment and therapies or afterwards post post treatment yeah. so lots of uh, interesting things well listen Thank you so much. I really appreciate your taking the time. You do have so many wonderful products and I, I love that you've taken so much care that you really have thought about the fact that would you want to take them? Would you want your children to take them? And that is amazing and so rare and so exciting. So anything we can do to support you and, and help you, we'd love to be able to do it along the way. And I just think it's great. So thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thank yeah. you from the team here as well. Thank you. Thanks for joining me, Claire. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, folks, that's all for today. I really appreciate your sitting in and listening in to Kevin share his story with Claire Senton and me. How inspiring to meet someone who was 16 years old when he joined Boots in the pharmaceutical division what an adventure, and I can wholeheartedly recommend the products that the Naked Pharmacy have available, and be sure that if you are a member of the public and you are going to start taking any of these supplements, you need to check with your healthcare provider or with someone at the Naked Pharmacy. They would be more than delighted to talk with you further. I'll be sure and provide links in the show notes so you can get in touch with Kevin or Claire if you have questions for either of them. I know that they would be happy to talk with you further. Now then, there are a few other things I'd like to talk with you about as usual, and one of them is going to be about that Bellican, and you've got it. You've got to bounce soft to feel good. I can say that that is one of the best things that I have done for my health and well-being. It is not only helping my fitness, and I know that my mood has improved just by a simple bouncing on an absolutely brilliant product. If you're interested in finding out more details about the Bellican, be sure and get in touch with me directly, or there is a link in my show notes. I'd also like to thank those of you that have already subscribed to my podcast. And if you haven't done so already, please do so and or share this with people that you think might find them of benefit. Because don't forget, these podcasts are here to support, inspire, collaborate, communicate and educate one another. I'd like to thank you again for taking the time out to listen to my podcasts. And until next time, here's wishing you and yours the very best of health. Bye for now. Bye.